Good morning, Cross Creek. Good to see you today. What a beautiful day we have. I got to tell you something. Uh, I haven't been up here in a long time. It's been a, a big, long vacation to get away, and I'm so grateful for the staff and the people who were able to fill in and speak. Almost feel like, man, I shouldn't even be up here. They're so good, and uh, I hope you appreciate uh, the depth that Cross Creek has and the beauty of being able to hear different vantage points and ages and all kinds of different things. So, so what a great, great privilege. I know for me, even though I was away, I was with you. I'm watching online and hanging out there and enjoying all of that. And if you're watching online, we're so glad that you chose to be with us today. What a great day we have in store. We're going to be talking about a subject that is a pretty popular subject and I, and I hope it, it, that you get excited about the message today. We're going to be covering heaven today. And uh, yeah, right, some of you are excited about that. Some of you are like, huh? But heaven, uh, and we're going to talk about that in, in a series. This is kind of interesting. We were talking about how to put this series out. And uh, we're going to talk about heaven and hell and different elements of that. And I chose to go with heaven first because if you start with hell, you know, it's kind of a bummer, right? Nobody's like, whoa, I don't want to. But it's really important that we talk about it. So we're going to talk about that next week. So I hope that you hang in there. We're going to talk about uh, uh, angels and demons and, and Satan and all that stuff in the series. And so I, I, it's going to be good. We're going to be excited about it because we're going to learn the, the things, even the negative things. We talk about how really you can get pumped because it really is an opportunity for us to recognize the things that we should be doing and, and the way we should be living uh, based on the fact that heaven is a real place. And so that's why we're starting today talking about heaven. While I was kind of preparing for this, I was reading a bunch of different books. And one of the books that kind of popped out that's been really great to read is a book called Heaven, The, heaven, the Promise of Heaven or Heaven's Promise. It's authored by Scott McKnight. Excellent read. And he points out that most of what we believe about heaven, we get from movies and we get it from books, right? Uh, we get it from, from even jokes, right? You, you know, you, you heard about St. Peter at the pearly gates, right? And so we have this image and all these different things, but we, we, we get all that from all different places and, and little tidbits, I think, for some of us who have been in church before, Little tidbits from Scripture, but there's a lot of things that we can learn if we just dive in and take a good look at what the Bible says about, about heaven. He also talks about the fact that people think that heaven is a never-ending eternal church service. <laughs> and, you know, for some of you, you're like, yeah, that's great. So excited. But i got to believe that there's some of you. Maybe a lot more of you than I'd like to believe. But some of you are like... Okay, we sing two, three songs. That's more than enough for me. But the whole eternity singing? No, I don't think so. And, and, and so, so some of you, it's a turnoff. For others of you, you get pumped about that. Well, I, I, as I said, that um, the reality is most people truly don't understand what heaven is going to be like. And the reason is, is that we have an adversary. We have an enemy that is, that is out there to to rob, steal, and destroy. And we've talked about that in another series 
previous to this that we talked about how, how Satan is taking the truth and the things that we should and the good things of God and he twists them. He causes them to be uh, a tool that he uses to deceive the, those of us who want to believe. And so he keeps us from believing and ultimately for some getting into heaven because the falsehoods that he is spreading and, and using causes us to be manipulated into having a, 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 a kind of a casual approach to the end of our lives. And so when we talk about the rea- reality of a real heaven and a real hell, we, there's, there's an attack on that. There, there are a lot of people in America who don't believe in a literal hell and a literal heaven because Satan has caused us to have this, this really pale view of those things, and so we don't take it seriously. But in fact, it's a serious issue because we're not just talking about, a, oops, I got it wrong. We're talking about it's an eternal thing. This decision that we make about heaven or hell is eternal. It's something that will go on for all eternity. The life that we live is a blink of an eye compared to the eternity that lies out ahead. And if, we, and if Satan can't keep us from believing in a real heaven and a, and a real hell, then, then his deception turns to warping or, or changing the image of heaven and hell. An example would be that most people are going to get into heaven. That's kind of a theme that a lot of people think that everybody gets in, that God's this God that loves everybody, which is truth. But there is a decision that is, that is needed for us to make in order for us to have that entrance into heaven. I was reading a bunch of studies. One of the studies I found showed that roughly half of Americans believe that they will get into heaven. Their, their chances of getting into heaven are generally good or uh, that they need to do, that all they need to do is be good enough. And one-third believe salvation is obtained only by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. I thought that was kind of startling. One-third. That means that, right, because I'm, I'm kind of working my math out in front of you, right? Two-thirds of America don't believe they need Jesus to get to heaven. I, I hope that's kind of stirs you a little bit because that's, that's pointing to the reality, the deception that Satan is all about. Two-thirds of America don't believe they need Jesus to get into heaven. They just need to be good enough, nice enough people. I love one of the polls that I found that said this, 72% of Americans who believe in heaven rate their chances of going there as good to excellent. Here, here's the clincher, though. But many say their friends' chances are pretty miserable. (laughs) I like that, right? Yeah, I want to be friends with that guy, right? I'm going. You may not, but I'm going. So look what Jesus said about it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And this is the caveat, right? And... Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So one of Satan's lies, and many people fall for it, is they think that heaven is the default destination. But it's not. Because of sin, hell, right? And next week we're going to talk about hell. I didn't know if you 
caught that, right? But, but until, because of sin, hell is our default destination. Because sin is a part of the world and it's our default destination. That's why, that's why we exist. That's why I stand up here. I don't want to be standing up here. This is not my chosen profession. This is what is a calling. God placed it on my heart because I needed, a, I needed a savior. My life was spinning out of control. I was into drugs and alcohol, and my life was falling apart. Apart from a life change and accepting Jesus as my savior, I, would have, I probably wouldn't even be here today. And I looked around me. I saw my friends. I saw people who were, who were hurling themselves towards that destiny of hell. And God said, you know what, this is the choice. This is what it's all about. It's about people understanding there is a choice. Because sin is that default destination until we come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the baptism we just experienced is a demonstration of that decision. The whole, the whole action of being immersed in water is the death to my old self going under and then coming up new and clean. Accepting Jesus as our Savior is that, that road to the narrow gate. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. All we have to do is believe and ask and follow. But Satan, the father of lies, has been lying to you and to me and continues to spread his lies. And he wants you to believe that you can get to heaven without Jesus. Two-thirds of Americans believe they don't need Jesus. And my prayer is, is that's not you. That you understand the importance of knowing Jesus. Not just knowing he exists, because we're going to learn this, that Satan knows that. The demons know that, that, Satan, or that, that Jesus is real and he, he is who he says he is. But his agenda is to deceive us so that we wouldn't believe that. Another one of Satan's distortions is that life here on earth is so great. How could heaven be any better? If we could just want to be here and experience all the things that, that here provides, right? Uh, the experiences that we have that, that just make us feel like this is heaven on earth. Psalm 84, verse 10, and I hope you let this verse sink in. So let's just look at it. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Did you, did you hear that? Let me just say it again. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day being in God's presence than a thousand any other place that you can think of. Just imagine your greatest memory, the, the thing that you just said, this was the day, this was so great, this is, this is what it's all about. I just love this moment. I've got a lot of those moments. i got three grandchildren. When they're little, they just fall asleep on you. And you just say to yourself, man, it doesn't get any better than this. I just want this moment to go on forever. And then they wake up and they smell. <laughs> right? Kind of tells you what happens, right? That's, it. That's just the way it is. So as I was writing this and putting this together, I was thinking about how to describe heaven because 
That's just not reality. We're to describe something of that level from a, a, a finite mind and heart that we have to understand the infinite. It's just impossible. So I thought about the times I've had in my life where this is heaven, just like I described, refer, referring to those special moments that you just want it to go on and on and on. Another thing we say is, I, I wish this would last. How many of you have had a moment like that? Anybody? Right now? This, this is your moment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I, I think about this. I, I think if you really were to be honest, you have a moment. You have a moment, whether it's something in childhood or something that's happened recently or being on vacation, you know, sitting out in 90-degree weather. Just love those moments, right? It's just, just love it. I just don't want it to keep, to keep going. Just, just don't want it to, to pass. One of the moments that stands out to me is actually something that my son Jacob and I got to experience. And, uh, and, and I, if you know anything about Jake, Jake um, is, is autism is the best way we can describe it. There's a lot going on there. But, but Jacob um, has, is probably the longest running fan of Barney, right? We've been watching Barney. I, you know, we could, I could tell you, we, never mind, but Barney, <laughs> Barney's kind of a staple at our house and, uh, and, and it annoys everybody except Jake. Jake just can't get enough of Barney. And so we finally met Barney. So I think we up on the screen, you're going to see, there we are. There's Barney. And I'm doing my best to keep Jake because Jake's overwhelmed. I'm trying to do my best. I'm actually pushing him into Barney. Because he's, he's like freaked out because this, this big blue purple thing is standing next to me. And, but this was one of those moments that I was like, man, I just want this to last forever. Because Jake was so excited. Now, if you know Jacob, Jacob's excitement is, is based on body, you know, what, what's going on. When you get a double finger point like this, that's excitement. That you know you've hit the mother load with Jake. And... <laughs> And that's what was happening there. He was so excited to see, see Barney. But, but here's the thing about those moments that we say, I want this to last forever, is they don't. Here's what comes along, this, this I want it to last forever moment. See, Barney's extinct. And, uh, <laughs> and so is the black hair that was, that was in the picture, right? <laughs> it's gone. It's a thing of the past. <laughs> So today, here's what we know. We know this, that temporary pleasures, that's what we're talking about. Temporary pleasures, they, they are things that are sealed in our memory, but gone from our experience. They're only temporary. But if you're a believer, if you are a person who has accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not only, not only does it get better, but in heaven, it is infinitely, indescribably better. Is that a good word, indescribably? It's better than you could ever even imagine. Listen to this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has set eternity in the human heart. Here's why I bring that up. It's kind of like, in my mind, what God did is he put a homing device in you. Each and every person has this homing device placed in our heart that's calling us home. It's calling us home. That's why we're always on this pursuit for something that's going to make us happy. 
That's why we're always looking for the next thing. And when we find it, we realize, you know, there's, there's got to be something else, right? There, because it's fleeting. That moment, that excitement, that, that joy that we have in that moment, it's fleeting. It doesn't last. And so we're on to the next thing, looking for the next thrill, the next thing. And, we, and, and what Satan wants us to do is to keep looking here on earth for what's going to last forever. But what God did is he placed eternity in our hearts, calling us home and, and wanting for us to see that, that there is an eternity for us where that beacon, that homing device finds its place and it lasts forever. But here's what happens. So many of us, because of what Satan does to twist the beauty of that truth, he tempts us to try to find it here on earth and we get caught up in this agenda of self-satisfaction, trying to find it in the next thing. For the remainder of our time, though, what I want us to do is kind of focus on what lies ahead and that beacon, that homing device, and what it's longing for. We, we see a glimpse of this, really. John gives us this, this, this picture in Revelation chapter 21. And I'm going to start in verse 1, verses 1 through 4. This is John, by the way. John is one of the 12 of Jesus' disciples who, at this point, he's exiled onto an island called uh, Patmos. And he had a vision uh, God gave him of heaven. And, and so he describes it. And I want you to understand that even as a vision, it pales in comparison to what we will ultimately experience. Because to put it into human terms, into language that you and I understand, it's, it's, it doesn't, doesn't match up. Right? So, so this is what, what he says. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I think about that statement. I can remember standing in the front of a church. My bride, the door is open, and I see my bride, Linda, standing in the back. My knees buckle. My heart is filled with joy and tears run down my eyes of what a gift I've just been given. What, a, what, a, what an amazing moment. And I know all of you guys who are married are saying the exact same thing, right? <laughs> it's really important you do. Verse 3, and I, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Did you hear that? <laughs> this is the completion of God's redemptive plan that started all the way back in Genesis. In the very first pages of, of the story in Genesis, the, the first book of the Bible, Adam and Eve sinned, and it broke the relationship with God. But as God was beginning to, to give the verdict of their sin, he begins by talking about the plan for salvation, the redemptive story that is the Bible. 
His desire for his people to be drawn back to him, to place that eternity in their heart that would call them back to the heart of the Father. His desire to have communion, to have relationship, to have proximity with his creation. Why he would ever love us this much, I don't know. But he does. God set that plan in motion to restore that relationship, and Jesus was the answer. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older things have passed away. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13, Peter says, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. My question is, are you looking forward? Are you longing and looking forward, or are you satisfied with what's here and now? Going along with the line of thinking, we can't be sure, but... I think that most of the, it, it, that the things that we enjoy on earth now, chances, chances are pretty good that you will be able to enjoy most of those things in, in the new heaven and the new earth only better because you won't have to wait for a tea time, right? And you don't have to pay to get on the course. And every chip shot is a whole in one. It's a beautiful thing. No more out of bounds. No more trying to fish your ball out of the pond. Right? Lands perfectly in the middle of the fairway every time. Heaven. Just picture your heaven. And then take it out exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever hope or comprehend into the distance of that. Only better. I think you, you look at creation, the creation story in Genesis, and we see a picture of what that, that is going to look like in, in some respects, right? We see every time that God is creating something, and I, my belief is, is that it's kind of a foreshadowing of what the new heaven and new earth would look like in that, and that God's creation is being created for the benefit of mankind, and we see the creation of the, the vegetation and the, and the animals and all the different things in creation. And if you think that this world is good, here's what, what you need to understand. Because all you know is you've only experienced and seen it under the curse. Under the sin that's taken, robbed the true nature of God's creation. So we don't see it in clarity when it's redeemed and when it's restored. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Let's look again, because it's so, such good news. Let's look again at Revelations 21, verses 4 and 5. It says, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Some of you have headaches. Some of you have, have backaches and arthritis. By the way, one of the reasons I was out, I had surgery. I have 
For two years, I have had headaches that the only way I could fall asleep at night is to have an ice pack on my head. And so I had neck surgery, a fusion surgery on my neck, and I got this scar right here. And it's a great story because people stare at it, and I go, I was in an alleyway, and I got into a fight. But you should see the other guy. <laughs> Always great stories about that. So, you know, but, but, you know, it's like that's a repair, but it's going to decay, and I'm going to fall apart, and, and that's just the way of things. But in the new order of things, as heaven comes on, there's no arthritis, no sickness, no cancer, never again. Feeling tired or lonely or worried, worried about the economy, worried about who's going to be elected next, who's going to, who, what, what's going to happen in our future, trust issues, hunger, they're gone. No more poverty, no more disease, no more hatred, no more prejudice, no more anger. Imagine a world with all of this gone, all of your issues gone. And think about this. God will create a new heaven and a new earth, and he will do away with death. He will do away with mourning and pain. And then the thing I think that is so amazing, I think it trumps it all if we really just could, could just get our heads around this. God himself will dwell with us. In trying to come up with and understand this whole idea of, of heaven, I took the, the picture, if you, if you go back to Genesis, of creation, right? And the fact that God dwelt with Adam and Eve. It talks about him walking in the garden. And when he walked in the garden, he, they weren't there, and he asked, why you're hiding? So there's this image of relationship, this interaction between God and his created people, Adam and Eve. So there's that picture. And then you fast forward and you go through all that time and Jesus, he dies and then he rises again from, the, from death. And, and he's seen, as we, we talked about, he's seen by more than 500 plus people and it's just an amazing thing. And, and we get this picture, right, of the resurrection and what it's going to be like. Jesus is our, our image bearer, and we can see what, what, what that's going to look like. So, so Jesus appears. He, 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 he makes it a, a, a first importance to interact with those he cared about. Isn't that beautiful? In his resurrected form, he's interacting with his disciples, people around him. Here's what I love. Jesus makes breakfast for his disciples, makes a fish sandwich, right? And you're sitting on the beach and he's making this. So Jesus is eating, which to me is encouraging about heaven. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Better taste in food, I'm telling you. But that's just the image. I mean, just, but that's what... God's given us that glimpse, not just what John tells us in, in this imagery of, of heaven, but, but the imagery of, of, of Jesus and seeing that, that he cares for and is known by and interacts with is an image of what heaven will be like as we interact with those who have gone before us. I can't wait to see my dad. 
Man. What a day. Another thing that we know is that Scripture tells us no one can look at God and live. We just can't handle the glory and goodness in this form that we have here on earth. Just can't do it because we're, we're, we have sin as a part of who we are. And so, so Moses asked to see God, and this is the, a great picture, right? Moses asked to see God, and God's like, you can't handle it. You, you just can't handle it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you hide up against the rocks here, and I'm going to withhold your view of me, and you can see the trail end of me. That's about all you can handle. But even that part of him caused Moses' countenance to change. So much so that he had to wear a veil. Now, it didn't really say exactly why, but other than I just assume it's just freak everybody out. I have this picture of Moses after his encounter with God that he's glowing. You know, like just that it just changed him. In the Old Testament, it also talks about how the high priests only were allowed to enter the Holy of Holies, which is where God, God's dwelling place was, one time of year, one time a year. And, and that he'd, here, here's what they would do. They'd tie a rope around the ankle of the, of the high priest when he went into the Holy of Holies. So in case he didn't have it all taken care of, you know, like wasn't completely right with God and, and he dies, they could drag him back out. Wouldn't that be kind of like a little nerve-wracking to have the rope tied around your, you know, can you pull me out before, you know, that, I don't know. But, it, you know, that just tells you the magnitude of God's presence. It's not to be trifled with, but the new heaven, have I told you this yet? God's dwelling place is now among his people. And then Revelation 22, verse 3 says, No longer will there be any curse. It's gone. The curse is gone. It's broken. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. And then, verse 4, they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's complete. The journey from Genesis, Adam and Eve's disobedience, and the curse that it brought into the world. God's redemptive plan is complete. But make no mistake about it. Satan is the father of lies. And he wants to steal anything good that you might have heard this morning. He wants to steal it. He wants to rob you of it. He wants you to have the same experience that he's destined for. We'll talk about that next week. But that's what he's, his desire for you is to have the same outcome that he's facing. He wants to rob you of heaven. So he will continue to deceive and twist the truth in an effort to get you to become complacent. Have you become complacent? Have you lost your sight of the eternity that's in front of us? 
Do you live for the here and now? Do you live a life that's based on eternity that's out in front of us? I suspect this, that if we were to live with eternity in our hearts, if we were truly to live with that perspective, it would change a lot of things in the way that we interact with people, in the way that we live our lives, the way that we see people around us. Jesus said, a narrow is that gate that leads to life, and only a few find it. But broad is the road that leads to destruction, and so, so many are on it. God wants you to be there. You say, well, how do I know that? (laughs) He demonstrated that by sending his one and only son for you and for me to die on the cross for your sins, to take your sins. The sinless Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb went to the cross, shed his blood for you so that you could have that homing device directed towards its destiny, heaven. Jesus rose again from the death and he defeated both sin and death. But whoever puts their faith and believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Do you believe? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, today is that day. Don't go another minute. Don't let another moment pass by where there's a question or a doubt. Because in this moment, if you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a decision to make. Yes, I will, or no, I won't. There's no middle ground. Yes, I will, or no, I won't. Yes, I accept that that homing device that's beating in my heart, calling me home. I want to connect it with the one who's providing the opportunity for me to go. And so I want to ask us, if we could just take this moment, just bow your heads, close your eyes, just take some time right now, just before the Father, and let's pray. And if you're at home here right now, just take a moment, and let's just kind of get to yourself. Don't worry about the people around you that maybe if you're here in the room, don't worry about the people that you're with. And this isn't about them. This is about you. Whatever they think and whatever they do is on them. This is your decision. That's why we call it a personal relationship. It's for you. You're listening to this and and you say, I want to be in heaven. I want to be in heaven. I've always thought that just being a good person would get me there. I thought it was just an open door. We all got there. And I discover here today with what you said that I, I have to make a decision. And the answer is, yes, you do. And today is that day. And if, and if you're the one that's saying, yes, I want to go, I want to be in heaven, then this is the opportunity where you just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you paid my entrance fee, that I could never be good enough, that, that my life and the sin and the things that keep and prevent me from, from being in a holy, perfect place called heaven, that you took my place on the cross. That you died in my place, but you didn't stay dead. You were resurrected. And because of that, I accept what you've done and provided for me as a personal gift. Thank you for allowing me to, to be able to come to you in this way. I humbly 
lay my life down before you and I receive your gift of salvation. I want to live for you. I want to be who you want for me to be, to, to, to be the person you created for me to become. If you prayed that prayer here today, another thing we read in the Bible is this, that all of heaven rejoices over just one person who says yes to Jesus. So today, if you prayed that prayer, I'm not asking for for anybody else to look up, keep your eyes closed, heads bowed, all that stuff. just, Just if you prayed that prayer this morning, just lift up your hand. If you're watching online, just indicate in the chat that you made a decision today to follow Jesus, that you're a destiny, your eternal home is heaven. Just raise your hand up. Don't be shy about it. This is a decision. Thank you so much. Thank you. I see it. You can put your hands back down. Thank you so much. Father in heaven, we thank you for this this free gift that you provide for us. And today, would you do a work in us? Would Would you help us to set our mind on things above and not on the things here below so that we can live in a way that honors you? For many of you sitting here today and watching online, as we talk about this, you have a loved one, a family member that you know is not right with God. And the reality is unless they make that decision, their destination isn't the place that we all want to be. Because broad is the road that leads to destruction. And you want to, to pray that they would enter through that narrow gate and be on the road that leads to eternal life. Those of you that have someone you know and you love that are not walking with Jesus and you want to pray for them right now, would you just lift your hand as well? Let's just, let's just think about that. And you know people, neighbors, family members, yeah, workplace people that you walk and you see every single day. Or do you see hands? And i got to believe people that aren't even raising their hands. Online, the people in our hearts hurt for the people around us. Father, I pray this, that you would use us. Use us to be your hands and feet to reach them. Give us a sense of urgency and a sense of wisdom as to when to speak and when to be silent. And God, even more than our words, I pray that our actions would speak so loudly as to the love and the grace of your son Jesus that it captures their attention and they turn to you Father, we want to see you move through us. We want to see people who are far from you come to know Jesus. Father, use us, I pray. Use us as a church to be able to go into our communities to make a difference that people would know God. They would grow in their relationship with him. And then they would go and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world to do that in their spheres, the the people that they know. Father, we just pray this over this church. We pray this over this people, all of us here, all of us watching online. Help us to be that kind of person, to be able to be used by you in the world that we live in. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.